0: Welcome to today's podcast. This episode is brought to you by my favorite skincare brand, which is, of course, Esme. You know, I'm a massive, massive advocate for Esme and their products. I use them religiously, both morning and night, and I can't recommend them enough. The reason that I feel so confident in recommending Esme is that they have such a variety of products. They really, really pride themselves on innovating products that are designed to over-deliver. Their skin treats are exceptional and there's a skin treat for every single skin concern. I'm often asked what skin treats I personally use. I am a massive, massive fan of the 24 karat gold nourishing oil. That would be my number one out of the skin treats. But That's because my skin is naturally a bit more on the dry side. So it's important to get in touch with Esme and find out which skin treat would be the right one for you because we all have such different skin. So if you have concerns with pigmentation, they'll suggest perhaps looking at the skin brightening skin treat or if you're looking for something that can exfoliate, then you'd be looking at your charcoal skin treat. There is a huge variety online and they have this amazing service where you can jump onto their website, which I'll pop in the show notes, and you can chat with an Esme team member to work out the right combination of products to ensure that you can achieve the results you desire. So my discount code for Esme is live right now, and that is KC Pod all in capitals. So jump on over to the Esme website. If you just pop ESMI into Safari, Esme will come up for you. And as I said, that code again is Pod. So definitely pop that in at the checkout so that you can get a pleasant surprise with your savings. I hope you love Esme as much as I do. And let's get stuck into today's episode this podcast is part two of my work life story. So if you've not yet listened to part one, hit pause now, jump back over to part one and listen to that because it will make a lot more sense for you because I'm going to dive straight into when I became a flight attendant. I really, really was so proud to become a flight attendant and to go through the whole ground school process and I just felt really, really proud would be the word. And I don't know whether that's because my dad had kind of drilled into me from a young age that being a flight attendant would be an amazing thing to be or just that it felt kind of like a new chapter of life because I'd been hairdressing and then moving into this job that, you know, just seemed like it had so many more opportunities, even though it was regional (laughs) flight, being a regional flight attendant, you know, I wasn't on the international long haul flights at all, but just the, the buzz of the airport, putting on the uniform every day, in particular, putting on the Qantas uniform felt really, really grown up, I guess. And I was still pretty young. I was only 20 when I started flying. And I went on to fly for just shy of five years, I think. And I loved it. I really, really enjoyed getting to know the staff there. It was very social when I began. And because it is regional, everyone mixes together. So the crew room is not just... A flight attendant staff room the crew room is where I don't even know I think I should be saying cabin crew um cabin crew were there operations were there I think it's changed a bit now pilots were there admin staff so it was a real little hive of activity and it just felt kind of exclusive I guess to be part of that and I loved getting the systems down pat I liked knowing to a certain extent what to expect in terms of there are lots of parts of that job that are very, very structured, which suit my personality. So the service is always done pretty much the same. There's always the same process of which flight attendant does what duties based on whether they are FA1 or FA2. And as I mentioned, because it was flying on much smaller aircraft, there was only ever a maximum of two cabin crew per flight. So it was fun. You got to know everyone pretty well. And there were also times when you were the only flight attendant operating on an aircraft that only could only seat 36 passengers. So there was a bit of variety in the role, but there was also structure that I really liked. I liked getting to know other people. I enjoyed the overnights, the interaction. It felt fun. It felt exciting to me. Um, And that lasted for a while. I really, really enjoyed it for a while. I liked the half days, the fact that, you know, sometimes I'd be finished work by lunchtime. Of course, there was, you know, that meant if I was finished by lunchtime, I'd be up super, super early. But I guess it kind of opened my eyes to seeing, even more so that work didn't have to be a five day a week or 12 hour day type situation like hairdressing had been. And there was a lot of fun in flying, but there were also some sides of it that I didn't enjoy so much. So the flip side of having a small crew means that you only have a small crew. And so if you found yourself in a mix of personalities that you know you didn't all gel well together, that could be a little bit tricky. Or what else? I did not really care for um, reserve days, the not knowing of whether or not I would be going to work or not and feeling kind of a bit held captive. Um, What else? There there were parts of it that weren't great. Being trapped in a tube of recycled air with passengers sometimes wasn't fun. And when I um, popped up a post A couple of days ago, sharing that I'd recorded part one, a beautiful lady that I used to fly with, Jodie, left a comment saying, oh, remember that time that we were stuck on board an aircraft? Uh, Her comment was along these lines, stuck on board an aircraft with a whole lot of bikies that were trying to get to a funeral and we'd had delays. And there were just times that you are just the face of copping however frustrated a customer or a passenger is surrounding a delay or missing a connection or whatever it is, or just the fact that they've had a bit of a rough day. So, I mean, that's not unique to being a flight attendant. That's in all service jobs and in, you know, hospitality industries. But I did enjoy a lot of it. It allowed me to become really efficient because (laughs) the quicker you got things done, the more time you would have to chat and socialise. And I also really enjoyed the human element at the beginning (laughs) towards the end, not so much, but I did really enjoy the human element of talking with new people, learning new stories. There was a lot of variety with passengers and I don't know, I, I enjoyed that. I really also liked having the unaccompanied minors on board. So when you would take kids from... A to B, I enjoyed that, that felt fun. Um, That means that they didn't have anyone on board, no Guardian on board with them. There was variety in the way of that. But I think that when you get to a point where you're over something, all of those things that you used to enjoy start to bother you. And I found myself towards the end of flying, really not enjoying people and also found myself feeling as though oh my job is just taking rubbish from passengers like that's literally my job I had kind of lost sight of the positives of it and if I'm honest with myself when I reflect on flying, I probably should have finished up a year before I actually did because there was a good year there where I was just a bit of a miserable sad sack about it all and, you know, I would complain about the early starts and complain about the staff bus and I just should have let go sooner but I didn't, you know, you're always learning in life and you have to kind of get to the point where you're willing to let go on your own accord. And so I did get to that point, And I think, as I mentioned, it was just shy of five years. And I decided to leave flying. And when I left flying, a couple of things that I feel I really took with me were that you could really do something else with your time. Because in the aviation industry, when I was amongst it, and I'm sure even more so now, a lot of people had other stuff going on so they would finish work at lunchtime after an early shift or perhaps they'd start after lunchtime but they'd spent the morning or that afternoon working on another project so whether it was studying there were people who were studying uh, fitness to become a naturopath nutrition there was a hypnotherapist there was also a woman who had a really really thriving clothing business she would you know, finish work and then go home and work on her side project, her hustle. And she was doing incredibly well. And so when I left flying, I definitely took with me that, you know what, work doesn't have to be, as I mentioned, super, super long days. And it doesn't have to be six days a week. You can kind of create a lifestyle that you want. And it opened my eyes to the fact that you could learn now in a different way. You didn't have to learn by being a perfect student at high school. The internet had opened up so many opportunities. There were so many courses available and you could pursue anything that you really wanted. So I had decided that just before I left flying, I wanted to dip my toes more into the world of nutrition and fitness. And I will preface this by saying I don't ever talk about this certification because I just don't think that it's super relevant um, or the best. But I did do a certification in weight loss and meal planning through like an online organization, and there are so many of them now. And I definitely will not badmouth any online organization, um, but I will say that. How am I going to say this delicately? The course I did was great and it gave me some knowledge, but we just have to be mindful that what you can learn in a short course online is not actually a qualification in that industry, if that makes sense. And I know that health coaches and wellness coaches are a big thing at the moment and it's a big movement and there are some absolutely phenomenal people in the space Okay, I'm not gonna go down the slippery slope, but you guys know what I'm saying. (laughs) I think that you hear what I'm saying. So I had done one of those online courses and I had also started just dabbling in that world a little bit. And it probably wasn't the best for my headspace because I had also in my early 20s gone through quite a severe eating disorder, which I think I will record another podcast on the topic at a later stage because it's an interesting journey. But It wasn't the best headspace for me to be in, but it did allow me to go, okay, I could actually potentially create a business in that world. I could go into that space because my partner at the time was a personal trainer and I just was very consumed by that world. I was training a lot. I was all about that life. And so when I decided to leave flying, I did start up a bit of a business in that space with meal planning. When I look back now, it's not something that, not that I'm not proud of it, but I just didn't know enough to really do it well. But we all learn as we grow and it was still an experience for sure. I also began working for a tanning company and I really loved that. So I did some work as a sales representative for a tanning company and it was a couple of days a week and it was so fun. I really, really enjoyed it because I liked the autonomous nature of the work. It was very comfortable to me, very familiar after being in the hair industry. And also if you remember, I don't actually know if I touched on this, but When my dad sold his convenience store, he went into the world of being a sales representative. So I understood that. I totally, it all made sense to me. And I continued to do that for a little while. And then I began working with a bigger tanning and cosmetics company. And they brought me on as an executive educator for Queensland. And I loved that job. I really, really loved it. It meant that I got to hone my skills of, I guess, educating people. And I don't know, I just, I really, really enjoyed it. And it was a great company to work for. And it's all a bit, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know if convoluted is the right word, more like meta, maybe meta. It's a bit meta that that company that I worked for was Model Co. And Model Co own MCO. and Emco is who I work with now, Create and I've created a range of cosmetics. So, you know, things always come around in, in a weird way. I don't know. It's a bit odd, but that's one, one of the reasons that I do love working with MCO so much now, and I'll touch on that later, but I know them. I know those people, and they're great. And they actually, I was working for them when I fell pregnant with the boys and very early on in my pregnancy I had to disclose that I was pregnant because I was so unwell and they brought me down to Sydney and they threw like a baby shower and so they're great people but I loved that job. It meant that every day was a little bit different. It still was quite an autonomous role but also answering to head office and I loved the education side of things. It gave me so much more confidence in presenting which of course now as someone who speaks at events, you know, all of those little things add up and it's kind of I guess a bit like training. So as I mentioned, I worked for Model Co right up until I fell pregnant with the boys And then, of course, went off to have the twins, Um, which again, that's probably another podcast talking about that. But I did stop working when I was about six months pregnant with the boys, I think. That number could be out a little bit. It's all kind of a blur. But that brings me to the next chapter, the next season of life, which I really, really when I think back on these couple of years of building the business that I have now, I don't know if you can hear it, but I have a massive smile on my face. I think this is the most fulfilled I felt in terms of work um, because it was just a whole new world. So the real part two, I guess, of this story is that when we had the boys, we found ourselves at absolute rock bottom, with sleep deprivation and you can spend so much time preparing to be a parent you know you think you have nine months and you've got it sorted and then your baby or in our case babies arrive and you realize holy shit I didn't know nearly enough Um, you know I didn't know enough about the important stuff and a lack of sleep can be disastrous it was really really tough within a 24-hour period I think we would get maybe three hours of sleep and that wasn't consistent sleep so there were a lot of struggles and it led me down a path of being really low and struggling with the sleep deprivation and then getting to a point of rock bottom of going okay this is a problem that we have to solve like we have to solve this problem and so uh, I became obsessed with infant sleep, and I realized that there was a lot of conflicting information, and I couldn't find anything that aligned with my parenting goals at the time because it was all very much about letting them cry it out. And I just couldn't, like, I just could not leave the boys to cry on their own, no matter how tired I was. It would get to a point where I just, I just knew that I couldn't do that, and so. I, as I mentioned, got quite obsessed with infant sleep. I realized that you could study to become an infant sleep consultant. So I thought, okay, I'm going to complete my certification just for my own knowledge. And when I look back on that, I think that is just classic me, just biting off way more than I can chew and chewing quickly. But in the moment, not really realizing that I was biting off a lot. It was more just, this is a problem. I need a solution this is one path and this is the path I'm going to take. And I really, really enjoyed learning all about that world. And the course was definitely more in-depth than I predicted and then I went on to do some independent study as well and also a different course through another provider because I just wanted to, I guess, have as much information as possible and then be able to, without really realising it, I was able to craft, I guess, my own approach by combining evidence-based methods with the kind of parent that I felt I really wanted to be. And so throughout that process, we got our boys sleeping And it changed my life. I realised just how much sleep was a pillar of health and wellness once it was taken away from me and then restored. Because once it was restored, I was like a new human. And whilst I certainly, hand on my heart, believe in postnatal depression, I also really believe that a lot of parents are misdiagnosed with PND when what they're suffering with is sleep deprivation, which um, I don't mean that to sound... Um, what's the word, divisive or anything like that. I just feel that anecdotally that is probably true because I have certainly seen it firsthand and I felt it myself as well. And so during that time of completing my certification, once the boys were sleeping, I felt kind of an obligation to help as many families as I could because I had experienced such a transformation from going from someone who was not sleeping to getting reliable, consistent sleep and having that routine just changed things for me massively and for the kids as well, for the whole family. And I found myself trying to help other parents You know, if I was at the park and I would overhear parents talking about how tired they were, I would kind of introduce myself and say, look, I've just done this course, blah, blah, blah. I would love to help you throughout the time in the course as well. I also worked with volunteer families, which I really, really enjoyed doing because it gave me a bit of confidence in what I had learnt. But not only did it give me confidence, it of course gives you experience. And there's so many things that you just cannot learn from being sat behind a computer, you have to go out there and actually do the job because you can learn all of the um, theory side of things but then it's the emotional intelligence that you need to actually coach people through making changes and if you don't have that emotional intelligence and that capacity to hold people in that space and to communicate, you're not going to have a successful business and so working with families who had little ones that had special needs and also families who had triplets and just, I guess, the more extreme end of sleep deprivation was the best thing I could have ever, ever, ever done. It gave me so much knowledge and confidence. And as I mentioned, I would find myself wanting to help people. Sometimes they would take me up on it. Sometimes they would look at me like I was absolutely insane. Here's this mom with two young twins, like, I can help you. My num- This is my phone number. Call me. I'll come to your house. And I would do that. Like I would literally, once Matt got home at night and the boys were down, I would go to other families' houses completely free just to tell them what I had learnt. And whilst I was doing it for free, it was so valuable, valuable for them, but massively valuable for me because I just learnt so, so much. And over the space of a year or so, I realized how much I loved it. It was so rewarding, so enjoyable helping these other families and I was so immersed in that world and so I decided that I wanted to create a little bit of a business and at that stage my goal was just one family a fortnight and I would work on a Sunday because Matt was working six days a week. So that was my goal and I didn't do any advertising at all, but before I knew it, word had spread amongst mums and mothers groups and I was getting super, super booked up. I can remember there was a day when I went from the northern end of the Gold Coast right to the southern end of the Gold Coast, then all all the way up to Noosa on the Sunshine Coast and then stopped in Brisbane on the way home. So I had done three consultations in one day and that's when I realised, wow, there is a big pull for me to want to do this, to put that much effort in and it went far beyond any monetary exchange. It was just what I wanted to do. And so a little business began. I was super, super booked out. Those you know every second sunday filled up and then i started going okay well when else can i do it i can do it when matt gets home from work and the boys are asleep and before i knew it i had spread myself way too thin and it was no longer just one family a fortnight i had lots of families on the go and i also had trained unknowingly um all of my clients to really really rely on me. So I was super super available with all of my consultations, I offered unlimited support. And so that often meant that I didn't feel comfortable after, you know, 3 or 4 weeks saying to families, "Hey, okay, you know, yes, you paid for a consultation, but now I need to actually wrap up I guess this this level of support I found that really hard but I realized I was training them to treat me like I was their only lifeline and like I didn't have anything else going on so what I mean by that is I would be responding to text messages at 10 30 at night I would be responding at 5 a.m I would be picking up every phone call and I hadn't put a boundary in place on when that support would end or what that support meant and it became really exhausting and I went from loving it to finding it really hard but again it was something that I had to go through and something I had to realize on my own because then it allowed me to create boundaries and also realize my worth and again it was another cornerstone for going oh okay yes I have to fill up my own cup because if my cup's empty I can't give anything to anyone else and it also allowed me to really Identify what success meant for me because whilst I was feeling successful in terms of helping families, I was not feeling aligned because my highest value was being with the boys as much as possible. So it allowed me to recalibrate once I was out of alignment and go, oh, okay, this actually isn't working for me and I'm not doing them any favours because they're relying so heavily upon me. And of course, I wanted to support my clients, but there was also a fine line between wanting to support and help them versus I can remember um, getting a phone call at 11.30 one night from a parent who wanted to know how to change the batteries on a device in their child's nursery. And that was like a real, (laughs) a real like, I was going to say come to Jesus moment. (laughs) like one of those moments where I went, oh, okay. I'm far more woven into this family dynamic than I should be when they're asking me how to change batteries on things at this time of night. And of course, it takes time to get to those those spots and then to work out how you can improve the situation and you'll go through many different thought processes. And I won't go through each and every single thought process, but because we'll be here all day, but you know, there were moments when I thought, "Okay, what I need to do is bring on other sleep consultants." But then I realized that still wasn't going to solve a lot of problems or, in fact, it could bring on more problems because I was having trouble managing clients. How would I manage staff? I wasn't quite ready for that. And when push came to shove, I realized that the problem was I hated making people wait for my help. I hated the fact that when a mum would ring me and say, hey, I really... I'm, I'm at my limit. Can I book you in? I would have to say not for a couple of weeks. And that just felt really, really uncomfortable because I knew that once, because I'd been there, when you get to a rock bottom place of finally going, oh, I need help. You just want it quickly. And I also had lots of families reaching out from different states and I was doing online consultations and I was doing the best that I could at the time. But of course, now, you know, five years on, when I look back at what I was doing in terms of online consultations back then, it's a far, far cry from what I'm doing now, but everyone has to start somewhere. And so I realized, had all these people wanting help, I didn't want to bring on staff because I didn't want the concerns of managing people. And I wasn't sure that I could even teach, of course I could, but at the time I felt as though... I couldn't wrap up my communication skills and my methodology and instruct someone and feel confident that they would go into a house and bring the warmth that I felt was really, really important. And so I realized after a lot of soul searching and time that one of the paths I could take was to create an online platform, an online resource that meant once parents got to that position of needing help, then they could access that help on their own terms And my one thing with going online was I wanted it to be better than an in-home consultation, which is a big goal to have because I felt like in-home consultations were really, um, really important. So I wanted it to be better than that. So I started working out how could it be better and I identified some of the pitfalls of in-home consultations just from working with families and you know things from the fact that parents are often so tired they don't retain all of the information so then you find yourself having to repeat a lot of information or just the fact that kids change so quickly that you know they just get one kind of stage down and then they're onto the next so they'd be wanting to reach out again so there was all these things in my head that I was like look if I could capture them and create a program that is better than having them reaching out all the time and needing me for the information then it could be something huge. And so the online programs took a good year to work on. I held myself to a very high standard. I wanted a lot of information in there. It was a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of work. And of course, to fund being able to have the online program, I was still doing in-home consultations as well, because I just had to, had to fund it somehow. So I definitely felt like I had a lot going on, and that was a time in my life where I feel like I lost a lot of contact with friends because I was working so hard. And when I wasn't working hard, I was mumming even harder. I am saying this, saying this with a smile, but. I felt as though it was easier to get work done when the boys were babies. Obviously, now it's different that they're at school. But when they were babies, you know, they'd go down for two, two hours sleep. So that was four hours a day that I could work. And then again, another two hours at night and I would get up at 4 a.m. And I loved it because I felt so pulled to create it. But yeah, the online programs were a beast to create. But we pulled it off <laughs> and they went really, really well. They were super, super well received. I had built an online following in the you know the couple of years before I launched the online programs which obviously made a massive difference maybe not obviously but it did make a massive difference because you can have the best product in the world but if you don't have people who want to see it or who are already looking at you it can be very hard to promote it and for me it was just all very genuine it was very very easy i didn't expect the online programs to be super successful i never set out to have a successful online business i literally just set out to not have the problem of having people need to funnel through me to get a result and i honestly think having that mindset is one of the things that has made the business so successful because my intention has never been about hitting a certain Amount of money coming in or anything, any of those metrics. It was just, okay, this was a problem I was experiencing. Here's a solution to it. And then having the initial success of the online programs certainly opened my eyes to going, okay, what else can I do here in this space? And so continuing to grow an online following again, it wasn't something that I was like, oh, I need to get to 20,000 followers or I need to get to uh, 20,000, 30,000 or whatever. There was never, there's never been a number that I've wanted to hit. It's just, okay, how can I keep providing value to these people who are allowing me the privilege and the honor of going into their home via their phone? How can I provide them value? And so there have been a couple of evolutions and different reiterations and rebranding from the time that I launched the first online programs. When I launched them, they had the video tutorials. And then over, you know, the next space of the year, we added a program called Toddler Life because we realized that a lot of parents were coming back to us after the sleep going, oh my gosh, you helped us so much with the sleep and the sleep's still great. But my toddler, has entered a whole new chapter how do I deal with this behavior so it was okay how can we wrap up some evidence-based methodologies mix them with some kind parenting techniques wrap them up in a bow and give it to people in a way that they can understand it so then creating toddler life really opened my eyes to going you know what this vessel that we have, this online platform can be so much more than just baby sleep and helping parents get through cat napping. Yes, that's a massive part of it. But we can create a community for parents. We can help with other issues as well. And so the most recent and current rebranding is The Kind Parenting Company. And when that name came to me, it just felt like home. I was like, yep, bang, that is what I want to create. The Kind Parenting Company, the KPC, and I love that platform and I still get questions about it today saying, is The Kind Parenting Company your main passion? I am so passionate about people being invested in their parenting. Of course, I do consider myself now to be multi-passionate and I have a couple of different things going on, which I think just comes with the fact that when your own kid's grow a little bit and you move through different stages and all of that and also just life is fluid you can have different interests but one of my number one interests is certainly helping and connecting with parents so the kind parenting company now we have the online programs that have the video tutorials but we also have the audio files which I think like again when that idea came to me not to toot my own horn but when that idea came to me I was like yes That is going to be so helpful for parents who don't have the time to sit down and watch tutorials because we're all so busy. They can at least pop their headphones in and whilst they're on their morning walk or unpacking the dishwasher, they can listen in and then they can also have that ease of going back to or fast forwarding to the topics that they want to hear about. So all of the programs have audio files. So if you love podcasts and you're a parent, have a look at our programs, jump over to the website because the contents table will give you a good grasp on whether or not there are things that you want to listen to the audio files about. Or even I've recorded a podcast on um, yelling at kids, which was pretty much directly from the Toddler Life program as well. So that's a bit of a taster too. And we also have the online forums, which are managed by Um, a team member that has a qualification in the childcare industry and a passion for helping families. And so she's in there making sure that parents get responses to their questions. We have two forums. We have the sleep society and then also toddler life. We have live chats in them every month with all different experts from speech pathologists to chiropractors to relationship experts for parents. Mindfulness, yoga, there's a lot in there and it's just a little hub for parents that need that extra little bit of support and also need that and want that bit of safety of knowing that it's a parenting group that is not there for being bitchy or being judgmental. It is literally all about support and lifting each other up. And I kind of breezed through, I guess, some of that. (laughs) But we did have to bring a staff member on in the early days. And a lot of you will remember Georgia. Georgia was our first ever staff member. And she's still, I just love her. I don't get to see her as much as I would love to because we live quite far apart now. But she's someone that I feel will always be in touch. Um, And yeah, she was such an integral part. To the business, she really was. And yeah, so bringing on staff brings about its own challenges as well. And I think that being a parent and then also having a business really holds a mirror to all of your own shit, all of your own flaws. You become very self aware of what you do well and what you don't do well. So there are lots of moments and opportunities for learning when you have a business, for sure. Now, the flip side, well, not the flip side, but another part, I guess, of my work-life story is that, yes, we have the Kind Parenting Company, but I made a decision when I launched the KPC to also kind of, not separate, but I guess separate, have two different things happen. So I wanted the Kind Parenting Company to be able to stand alone and not rely wholly and solely on me because, again, I realised that people were expecting me to be available every minute and it just wasn't realistic. So I knew from a business perspective that I could build out the Kind Parenting Company to stand more alone and not be so heavily dependent upon my shoulders and I could also see an opportunity, just based off the feedback that I was receiving from being online, I could see an opportunity that I could also create, I guess, a second kind of, not, not business, but second opportunity to really focus on other areas. And I guess that's in a way having a Kylie Camps brand. So there's the KPC, which has its own Instagram account and its own stack of followers. And we really try to get parenting content over there. And then obviously the Kind Parenting Company website, which has a lot of free resources as well. So jump on over and have a look at the blog section and also the programs while you're there. But I realized that my passion for other things was also growing. And my whole ethos, like my whole, I guess, defining message, my legacy, we'll call it that, is I want to make a difference. And I want to make a difference for parents, but I also want to make a difference just for women. And I could see an opportunity was opening up in that space for me to do that. So what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to make this into a three-part series because I feel like this episode has already gone super long. So jump on over to the Kind Parenting Company website, check out all of the resources over there and then tune in to part three, which I will make live today as well so that if you do want to listen all in one go, you can, but for those who want to break it up a little bit, please feel free to do so as well. So in part three, I will expand on growing the Kylie Camps brand side of things and how certain opportunities came about because I don't want to rush through them and do a disservice to anyone who is truly interested in learning more about that space. So I'll hit stop for now and I'll jump in to record part three where I focus on that And I really appreciate you choosing to listen to this podcast. As always, if you can take a screenshot and share it to your Instagram stories, I will then share it on mine because I appreciate it. And please do tag me at Kylie Camps.